the armies, the hard nuts of heaven who the Lord sends to bless and protect us, who this church is named after. And I just feel that the Lord wants us to know this evening that we are under his care. We are under his protection. And wherever we are at, whatever's going in that, we are under the protection of the Lord. And I'm just going to pray now for us in that before Dareth comes and brings us our reading. So Father, I just pray for us all with whatever we may be carrying at this time. And I pray that you would send your angels to guard us. You would send your angels to protect us. You would send your angels to give us peace. And your peace and your rest would be upon us now. In the name of Jesus, your son. Amen. So Delith is going to come and read us our Bible reading. And for those who haven't been with us for the last few weeks, we've been looking at the story of Joseph, the saga of Joseph in the Old Testament from the book of Genesis. And now we're going to hear the next installment. The reading tonight is taken from Genesis chapter 40. Uh, It can be found on page 44 in the Pew Bibles. Page 44, Genesis 40. The cupbearer and the baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and he will put... Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon." 
When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top baskets were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of my basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hung the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Delith. And so Liz is going to bring God's word to us. And let's just pray for her. Well, Father God, we give thanks for Liz and the so many gifts that you have blessed her with. And we pray now that you would fill this place and fill her with your spirit. May we hear what you are saying to your church this day. Amen. Amen. I just left my drink down by there. I'll be back now. Oh, sorry. I'm back. It's okay. I wonder. Well, no. I tell you, I am generally quite a happy person. Like, I love my family, which is always good to know, isn't it? Um, I've got a job that I don't hate all the time. Also a little bit of a win there. But... Maybe a little bit more than that. Um, but I'm not what you would call a content person. Okay? I am always um, looking for that next thing. I am always wanting things to be better. Um, kind of before we had kids, we never lived anywhere for more than three years because three years kicks in and I got I to gotta move. I'm looking for the next thing and the next thing. And I know that will... We've been here like three years this week. Um, <laughs> is it today? <laughs> all right, well, it's good to know you. I'm off. Um, it's all right. <laughs> Don't lock the doors. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, so I'm not kind of uh, that content. And the downside of not being a particularly content person is that life is often very disappointing. <laughs> I am often quite disappointed with the way that life turns out. Um, when life doesn't kind of go the way I want it to be, or it's not quite as good as I thought it would be, or I don't know, I just, uh, I'm not quite a sad sack, but life is, life is just life, isn't it? And, and you know who I blame? I blame Disney. That's who I blame. Disney and every other rom-com, there is a reason why I don't watch films, because films go something like this. It's all fine. 
Something threatens the fineness and it all ends well. They all live happily ever after. Except, let's be honest, happily ever after doesn't exist. I'm sorry. (laughs) There's everybody going, what have we walked into? (laughs) But like real life isn't like that, is it? Like real life is good and there is happiness and there is joy. Like I say, I'm not an entire sad sack. But life also has its fair share of troubles and disappointments. And if there is anyone that knows about disappointments, it's Joseph. Like his life, love him, has not turned out, I dare say, the way that he thought it would. It started out okay. He was quite literally living the dream in the beginning. See what I did there? Um, But... Since being sold into slavery by his brothers, it has gone downhill fairly rapidly. Since being sold into slavery, we're about 11 years or so on from from his brothers doing the duty on him now. And uh, he's seen pretty much all of his 20s disappear. He's been a slave and love him. Now he is currently sitting in prison with no hope of release for... You're going to love this, having the audacity not to sleep with somebody else's wife. And dare they thread our reading for her, us lovely, but I've got news for you today. Whilst I'm on the sad sack disappointment, there is no good news in tonight's reading. <laughs> Literally none whatsoever. It starts off quite well. Joseph starts off in prison and these two other fellas, the cupbearer, And the baker, we don't know their names. We don't even know what they've done. We just know that they've offended Pharaoh and they wind up in prison. Whilst they're in prison, they have their dreams. Uh, Joseph interprets them. They both come true. One winds up restored to his position. The other, love him, winds up dead. But Joseph has a little bit of hope here in the middle because he says to the cupbearer you're my ticket out of here. He says when you're restored to your position he says remember me. He gets restored to his position. And Joseph must have been sitting there thinking, this is it. Couple more days. And what are we told at the end of the reading? He gets forgotten. And Joseph winds up where he started, sitting in prison for a crime he did not commit with little hope of release. I was not lying when I said there was no good news in today's reading. And yet... And yet we know, because, you know, we're all good Christian people, that God is good. In fact, I remember something, and I don't know where I remember it from uh, today. It must have been a thing in churches once. And you say, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Huh? You see, you've all been in the same gym. <laughs> yeah, oh, Yeah, I like it. But... When we're disappointed, when life is not perhaps going quite as we envisaged it might, it's not quite so easy with the God is good, is it? I mean, when God is answering our prayers and all is well, then it's really easy to go, yeah, God's good. But what about when our dreams are unfulfilled? What about when tragedy strikes? What about when the one thing that we've been asking God for is the one thing that we are not getting? It's not quite so easy to say God is good all the time, is it, then? I mean, let's be honest. 
kind of in times like that, I don't know about you, but I'm more likely to say, stuff it, God, and go and do things my own way, which, as an aside, never works out well. But when life is hard, it's difficult to see that God is good. And we're more likely to say hello to sin than we are God is good. Because often when we're struggling, we find nothing but resentment towards God and anger. And if this passage was full of Joseph being angry at God and resenting God for not doing the things that he wanted God to do, I think, personally, that would be totally and utterly understandable. And yet somehow, in the middle of it all, this is not what Joseph does. Somehow, in the middle of it all, Joseph is able to trust that God is at work, even in the middle of all the disappointments. And I think if we look a tiny bit closer at the passage than me, kind of just broadly going, it's all terrible. We'll see that actually God is at work, even in the disappointments. Because even in Joseph's disappointment, God is at work because he gives Joseph a compassionate heart. He equips Joseph to serve other people better. These two fellows are thrown into prison with him. And uh, we're told that they're miserable. Now, if this was me, the story would go something like this. That you've been in prison for two minutes. Oh, life is so miserable. You want to hear about miserable? I've been here for ages. And Joseph could have really kind of laid into them and said, my life is way worse than yours. Shush your engine. But he doesn't. Joseph, his compassionate heart, trumps the well, I'm going to call it the temptation to go, to go one up on them. And he has compassion on them. Joseph's time in prison and his suffering equips him to draw alongside the two men that come in. In the midst of the disappointment, God gives him a more compassionate heart that enables him to serve these two guys. And it tells us in a, in a Corinthian somewhere, it says, um, it says, oh, this is embarrassing. It says that God comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. God gives him a compassionate heart so that he can comfort others who are in the difficult situation that he has been in. And our temptation, isn't it, when God is not doing the things that we want him to do, or when we are disappointed with life, is to curl up in resentment. And I like a bit of a pity party too, if that's okay. Um, And to kind of turn our backs on God. And yet actually the challenge is for us to say, do you know what, God, increase my compassion for other people. How might I use this situation to serve other people better. There's a really good um, woman, her name is Zoe Clark Coates, and she founded a a Christian-based charity, it's called Saying Goodbye. Um, And it's a charity that supports people who have been through uh, devastating uh, 
loss of children, either um, in pregnancy or in early infancy. And Zoe and her husband uh, suffered five miscarriages when they were trying to have their own family. And uh, in that, she called out to God and she said, I don't know what to do with all these years of pain that I have suffered. And God said to her, take all that pain and walk alongside other people who have suffered in the same way. And she runs this, and like I say, she runs this fabulous, fabulous charity that helps millions of people every single year. Because in the disappointments, if we allow him, God is still at work. And he will increase our levels of compassion so that he can take our disappointments and use them for his glory. Joseph is languishing in prison, but God gives him a compassionate heart. He makes him a better servant. And that is the challenge for us too. To ask God to increase our compassion. How can we take the disappointments that life has thrown at us and use them to serve other people and to serve God in a better way? He increases Joseph's compassion. But he also strengthens his faith. Uh, Some years back now, you remember, well, no, it's not some years back, it's years back in the story. We're actually probably only talking about five weeks. Remember back at the beginning of the story where Joseph has these dreams, and he has, excuse me, he has these dreams of um, other people bowing down to him, and um, I don't quite know how to say this other than it's not quite working out for him, is it, this dreaming lark? Because those dreams have not been fulfilled. And again, if I was Joseph, I think I probably at this point would be feeling somewhat more cynical than Joseph is. Because these other lads come into prison and they have these dreams. And when they say about nobody being there to interpret them, Joseph shows that he still believes that God is at work because he said interpretations belong to God and he interprets these dreams it would have been again totally understandable for him to say it's all right lads I wouldn't worry if I was you God's not bothered in fulfilling dreams they never come true he just forgets all about them but somewhere somewhere in the middle of it all Joseph's faith is such that he's still hanging on to the fact that one day his dream will be fulfilled. He knows that despite the disappointment of where he finds himself, despite the disappointment that his dreams are as yet unfulfilled, he's still hanging on to the truth that God is at work. Because when these guys have dreams, he says, ah, well, God will have something to say about that. He's got this faith that God is strengthening whilst he's in prison, whilst he's in the middle of this disappointment. And I think think sometimes we struggle with faith, don't we? Because sometimes I think we forget that faith is a gift. Faith, all of us, the faith that we have is a gift that has been given to us by God. 
And it's so easy to forget that because we think about faith in terms of the faith that I have or the faith that perhaps I don't have in any given situation. And when we make it about us and kind of the faith that I have and it's all about me, it makes it a bit more fickle because it makes it that actually I've got loads of faith today because God's doing exactly what I need him to do. And then on another day, when God's not doing quite what I need him or I want him to do, let's not, let's, let's call it what it is. But it's easier for me to have less faith because I'm kind of putting this faith as a me thing. But actually, the faith that I have got is a gift from God. And God is able to give me more faith than I know that I even think that I'm capable of having. So actually... In the middle of the disappointments, God strengthens Joseph's faith. In the middle of our disappointments, when we are uh, about to, or tempted to be cynical and to turn away and to think that God has forgotten us, then the challenge for us is to sit in those moments and say to God, God, I need you to strengthen my faith. I need more faith. There's a church um, in Merthyr called St. Luke's Church, and um, it was planted many years ago, before I was born, that long ago. My kids are like, whoa. And it was planted ages and ages and ages ago. And the church was open, and then the church closed. And a small group of people, I I don't know how many, began to pray that one day, that church would be reopened on the estate that it serves. And they had a real sense from God that one day it would be, you know, that it was his will that that church would once again serve that community. And they prayed. And the church did not reopen. And they prayed some more. And the church still did not reopen. They prayed for 40 years that the right vicar would come, that the right person would come that would open that church and, that, and serve that community again. 40 years. My son's just gone, that's a long time. <laughs> it is a really long time. But the faith of something that that takes, isn't it? Of having to ask God to work in the disappointment of seeing that church closed to increase their faith, to continually pray until God's vision was realized, till God's uh, plan for that place came into being. When we face the disappointments that we face in life, we've got to ask God to give us a more compassionate heart so that we might use those experiences to serve other people. But we've also got to ask God to increase our faith So that we can hang on to his promises. Hang on to the fact that we know that he is at work. No matter how long it takes. Because Joseph knew that God's timing was everything. The cupbearer comes comes into prison. Excuse me. And he says, um, they have this. He has his dream. Joseph says, you're going to get restored. And Joseph says to him, 
remember me. And when the cupbearer gets restored and he goes back to his old position, Joseph must have been thinking, finally, finally, my time in prison is done. And then day after day came, and then a week came, and then months, you know, I wonder how long it took before Joseph realized that he was not getting out of there anytime soon. And yet, God was still working. God was just putting all the other bits of uh, pieces and the bits of his plan into place so that things would come together. If I was Joseph, I would have perhaps, um, by this point, having had my hopes dashed, I think I probably would have done a little bit of the melodramatic I think I probably would have gone, what about me? It's not fair. I've done everything right and yet still I am not getting what I need. I'd have been like genuinely angry at God. And I don't know if Joseph got angry at God, but I can only presume he didn't because we're not told that he does. We're told that he continues to trust God. And we know, don't we, that God's timing is right. It's just that sometimes in the middle of it, we don't always see it. And we've got the Bible, so we're all right. No spoilers, I promise. But we know the whole of the story of Joseph. So that we know by what we've already read that if God released or if if the king released um, Joseph from prison now, it would be too early because Judah is still over here. He's not quite where God needs him to be yet. And if he'd left it a bit later, then it would have been too late. God had the perfect time in which Joseph needed to be released from prison. It's just that Joseph didn't know it. He had to trust it. And I don't know about you, but there are times in my life when I have been sat there and I have indeed whinged at God and I have indeed gone, I want it now. It's never worked. I've even stamped my foot sometimes. Uh, But it's never worked because God knows what's best. And yet there was a wonderful thing, isn't there? The hindsight is a wonderful thing. Um, Because often when I then look back and I think, oh, well, it's a good job that God didn't do it then back then, isn't it? Because, well, I wouldn't have actually liked it just for then. God's timing is perfect. And sometimes when we are stuck in the disappointments, when we are um, wanting to move at a different pace to what God is moving at, sometimes it's really good for us to remember those times. Those other times when we thought that God uh, wasn't doing things in our timing and then we realized that actually God's timing was better than ours. It's good for us to hang on and to remember those times because they give us the strength to continue waiting when we are waiting for God's perfect timing. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come into land with one more uh, point, really, or a little thing that it struck me as as we were reading this reading of um, the little use of the word remember me. 
well, no, that's too weird, isn't it? But the little phrase, remember me. Those of you who were in church with us this morning, we read Nehemiah 5, and that talked about remember me also. Joseph says to the cupbearer, remember me. Who else says, remember me? But the thief on the cross says to Jesus, or the thief next to Jesus on the cross says to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. When we are sitting in the disappointments of life, we can call out to God, remember me. And sometimes it's easy to think that he has forgotten us. Joseph, I think, must have thought at times that God has forgotten him. And yet Jesus does not forget us. When we call, remember me, there is no delay in Jesus coming to our side. There is no delay in his comfort and his love for us. There may be a delay in what we want to happen, but there is no delay in the way that he comes to us. When we say to God, remember me, there is no delay. He does not forget us. In our disappointments, we can call out to him, God, remember me. And we have a God who hears us. And we have a God who uh, strengthens us. And we have a God who will give us all that we need to get through whatever it is that we are facing. Because we have a God who already has the ultimate victory over whatever it is that we are facing. We have a God who will never forget us, who will never forsake us. And even in the middle of our disappointments, will give us more compassion who will strengthen our faith and who will give us all that we need so that we can do more than we ever dared imagine possible through him who strengthens us. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you. Thank you that you are a God who is unfailing. Thank you that you are a God who loves us no matter what. Thank you that you are a God who promises that you will never leave us no matter what we face. But Lord, you're a God who also knows that there are disappointments in life. And so, Lord, we want to bring those to you tonight. We want to bring to you our own disappointments. Those times when our lives have not worked out quite how we thought they might. 
those times, perhaps, when we have felt left let down. Father, we bring before you perhaps those promises that we felt that were made to us or for us that perhaps haven't come uh, to pass yet. And Father, we just ask that you would come and that you would meet with us in those disappointments. Lord, that you would help us to to see where you are at work in those situations. Lord, we bring to you our own situations, but Lord, we bring to you the situations of our world as well. We bring to you those things in our world that are happening, that are disappointing, that are unfathomable. And we ask that you would be at work in those situations. We pray perhaps for those who have been disappointed by the news that has come out in the mini-budget this week. For those whose disappointments overlap with anxiety and with fear. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen our faith that we might truly know and believe that you are able to work through all these different situations. And Lord, I pray that you would give us compassionate hearts so that we might be people who are ready to respond and to walk alongside others. Lord, may we be your people who are ready to serve you in any way that you ask us to. Lord, would you take our disappointments as individuals and as a church? And would you use, our, would you use them to, to mobilize us? To take us out into the world? that we might shine your light and share your word and your hope with others. Lord, help us to be people who truly know that with you, nothing is wasted. And so, Lord, we offer you our disappointments, but we offer you our hopes and our dreams as well. And we ask that you would take them and that you would use them and you would use us and that you would build your kingdom.
Amen. This is a song that speaks very much to what we've just heard from Liz. So, if your heart is overwhelmed and you're struggling to hear God's voice, this song encourages us to hold on to what's true. <laughs> 